Hello listeners and welcome back to the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave with me, Dags, your regular host returning after a short spell on the sidelines. But I left the podcast in the extremely capable hands of this very team that joins me today. And I must say it was a unique experience and a really bittersweet experience actually listening to the podcast last week as a listener, as an outsider, as a subscriber, without having heard anything heading into it and not knowing what I was going to be treated to. And I was enthralled and disturbed in equal measure, as I'm sure many of you are week in, week out. So I'd like to say to the three gentlemen joining me today, a huge congratulations on an excellent podcast without me. And it was slightly disturbing to see quite how well you coped without my help. And that also extends to Petros, who did all the editing of it as well. So well done to everybody there. As I say, I am back and uh, this is our penultimate episode of the season. We're going to be looking back very briefly, because who really cares, on the Bradford game and looking forward to a game that has a lot more significance for uh, one of us more perhaps than the other three. But much as they can do this without me, I can't do it without my team. So it's my pleasure to welcome back my three superstars joining me as always for what is the upteenth time this season. I'm going to start with the man who took over the hosting seat last time, and that's Elio. Elio, welcome back for another episode. Well done last week. Top effort. Very impressed. I was slightly upset by the comparisons to Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho, I must say. But how did you enjoy your outing as the plus Dave Ryan Mason? Oh, <laughs> the plus Dave Ryan Mason. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's always good to have the steering wheel. The lack of any kind of order and decorum was, uh, <laughs> well, I think it's what ultimately gave Socks the perfect yeah. environment to produce the single greatest podcast moment since we begun this. So I think job well done me and I should do it more often. Mm, it's hard to argue that. And, and Socrates, as Elio has just hinted out there, there was a moment there where I feel like you became possessed by the spirit of your cousin. No DNA test for Required whatsoever. He definitely channeled your inner Elio and had me wondering what lawyers I know by the end of that podcast and uh, <laughs> gave a few of us a rough ride. Um, how's everything with you? Yeah, good. That felt like something they've been building for about 25 years, honestly. I think the first time <laughs> I ever went to Spurs, I used to sit fairly regularly aside of Elio when I was but a young boy. So I think that was the bringing about of decades worth of just inheriting and absorbing Elio's madness just by association. <laughs> Fair enough. I like to think our time together means that you have just taken on my rage and bitterness towards our club via sheer osmosis. The first thing I ever remember at Tottenham actually was when I sat next to you, I can't remember the game and I'll never ever forget this. You must have been about 15, 16, so I would have been eight or nine. And this was early 2000s, so we had a really crap team. And we made a substitution, and I can't remember who the players were, but you just shouted completely inexplicably, well, we've taken off Samantha Mumba, and we're bringing on the Queen. And people around <laughs> you just sort of started laughing, <laughs> myself included. It was obviously you were just trying to make a point that we had two crap players who were of the quality yeah. of Irish singer-songwriter Samantha Mumba, <laughs> and obviously the Queen, who even 25 years ago would have been fairly frail. But that has, uh, that will amazing. Never, when I die, that is one of the first things that will flash before my eyes. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But also, I'm suddenly thinking that Elio's <laughs> analogies on the podcast actually make slightly more sense by comparison. He's improved them over the decades, I'm, I'm happy to say. Um, last but not least, I'd like to introduce the man himself, the Dave, to which the podcast name refers. Dave, the elephant in the room that we have not mentioned yet is that the final day of the season is upon us and it's a huge game. Um, we're going to try and have some fun today, but I imagine there are very few parts of this that are fun for you at the moment uh, how are your general thoughts at this time i mean my initial thought is let's just get on with it just in general <laughs> yeah not just this podcast just oh, we've in been general. there for weeks but yeah it's not a fine time to be alive at the moment from a football perspective if you're a leeds fan we are not not dead yet which is probably the worst yeah. thing about this the fact that it's just that elongated purgatory when you actually know what's going to happen <laughs> at the end of it I mean, the chances of Bournemouth winning at Everton and does, uh, and well, a threshing you, that's definitely going to happen. But um, Bournemouth winning at Everton is probably unlikely. And that's what we need to happen for us to have a chance of staying in the division. So yeah. I'm almost at peace with it. And also, you know, my FPL team name is called Emotional Hedge for a reason. So if Leeds go down, I win 300 quid. <laughs> 
I'm mildly disgusted by that, Dave, but I'm not surprised <laughs> and I do understand. I think it was actually 500 last season, but oh, wow. I think it's good because I was chatting to a colleague actually today and it, it does actually show, it measures how much you love your football team because as soon as Harrison <laughs> scored that winner against Brentford, yeah. I'd forgotten all about that money. Yeah, you're putting a price on your love in literal terms. I kind of respect it, Dave. I kind of respect it. I feel like Not Dead Yet is an early contender for the title of this episode as well. I quite like that. <laughs> you set the tone there. Um, just in case anyone has any doubts to uh, what we refer, of course, our final day of the season is at Elland Road. And we have the opportunity to finish what we started in sending leads down because, of course, we've been handing points to all of their competitors, left, right and centre throughout the season, which could create a very awkward final episode. But I think if it's not too bold to speak on behalf of the other Spurs fans on the pod, I think we're all rooting for leads in that one, but we'll get onto that in just a little bit. Elio, back in your more comfortable punditry chair, I'm not going to ask you the question I usually do, which is, is this the biggest disappointment of the season so far? Because I think we're beyond disappointment now. I think we're at the point where it's just exhibition match after exhibition match, and it's just kind of sitting back and laughing at it. But you were at the game, which is obviously the last home game of the season. You had the option, which I'm not sure if you decided to take up, of witnessing the lap of dishonour, the lap of disgrace. Um, how was the experience inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in that match, throughout um, that match, I should say? So I didn't stick for the lap of appreciation as they <laughs> call it now because there's well not really any honour anymore because <laughs> I have not appreciated what I've seen this season so it would have been thoroughly hypocritical for me to stay. <laughs> Honourable. There's <laughs> <laughs> a no lot of things, but he's not a hypocrite. No lap. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. um, but what I did do is put myself through the entire 90 minutes plus nine minutes of injury time at the end. Mm. And I'm disappointed to say that I still felt disappointed. The first half, we actually played some really good football, probably the best football we've played this season against a side that, mm. given what happened in the second half, are very clearly not on the beach against a good defence. And we looked like a Spurs worth watching. The 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 or whatever it was with Kulusevski and Kane playing that sort of dual nine and a half almost really was working. We were pulling them apart and we were unlucky to only be one up at halftime. So I went yeah. in at halftime very, very happy. So for us to then plan it the way we did in the second half go back to this passive unenergetic rubbish that we've been enduring for so long it just felt really disheartening because it kind of felt like it just kind of felt like we're doomed to just repeat this nightmare over and over and over again and mm. i left the game just feeling really really what's the point basically yeah. especially considering i'd parted with the princey sum of over 1500 quids a couple of days previously to renew for next oh season. you've done it you've been the bullet. Well, Okay. Given that I'm very bad with dates and time management, as Sox pointed out a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought it best that I just get it done before I have any regrets. My big yeah. regret now being that I've done it. Um, so <laughs> that maybe yeah. amplified my levels of disappointment. But I, I think I'm just glad that I'm not going again till August. That's going to change in about three weeks when I start missing them. And like every sort of, of victim of, of abuse, I'm going to start sort of <laughs> finding reasons to justify what Tottenham do to me. But right now, I'm pleased that I've got a bit of a break. One of the things that you would have missed in the kind of ceremony at the end was a big screen saying, thank you all for your wonderful support. And somebody on Twitter doctored it so that it just said, thank you all for your wonderful money, which I think is very appropriate <laughs> given what you just told me there. So, um, Socks, it was a strange game, wasn't it? Because it was the inverse of what we've had to endure at times this season. We've had a bit of a habit of starting really badly and then kind of somewhat redeeming ourselves throughout the game. This was also a bit of an experimental team, wasn't it? Do you get the impression that Ryan Mason is just thinking, ow, what the hell? It doesn't matter. Let's just throw a few players in different positions and just see what they can do because who really cares anymore? Uh, I think in terms of the changes, I think some of them were in force. So I think Romero mm. and Hoiberg both being injured meant I think it was Sanchez and Basuma came in and Basuma obviously being back from injury for the first time since I think February. Yeah. I mean, it was the time to put him in. It was fortuitous timing given Hoiberg was out. In terms of him kind of throwing the proverbial crap at the wall to see what would stick, I mean, possibly. He, he commented at the end of the game that we haven't been training enough or practicing enough to keep up this level of intensity over 90 minutes. And that's yeah. what he felt was the cause of our downfall in the second half. But I'm not entirely sure what he's thinking given he knows he's gone next week. It's like a substitute teacher at school. You're just, you know, you're not there for the sort 
sort of long term. It's like Elio last week. Yeah, you don't have the long term <laughs> responsibility for these children, so you're just kind of manage it as best as you can. But my feelings overall are the same as Elio. I, I really enjoy the first 45 minutes. It was some of the best football we've played maybe all season, and it does show you mm. that with the right coach and a better coach than Mason, that there are some players here that Pochettino did this when he came in. He transformed players you just didn't think had it in them, and that was quite similar in the sense that he came in after a period where we just had two sort of non-coaches, if you want, in AVB and Sherwood. Maybe that's slightly harsh on AVB, but you get my point either way. So it was a nice almost precursor to here's what you could win or here's what you could have won had you actually had a proper coach. And that was kind of my big takeaway from it. But otherwise, it was just, yeah, similar to last week, another two hours wasted, one more to go. Well, I mean, a few positives, I suppose. You mentioned Basuma. I think a lot of people have mentioned that Basuma for the brief period where we were actually playing football looked very good. And that's promising for next season. Obviously, he's been coming back from an injury. Um, One of the other positives is that Harry Kane appears to have sort of worked out how to score free kicks. I don't know if we can technically call that a free kick. Um, Dave, I'll let you be the judge of that one. I don't know how much of this game you watch because I know you've got bigger fish to fry at the moment. Obviously, uh, Spurs are, well, have been quite low on your priority list and they will be very much top of it next week. But did you watch any of the game, any of the highlights? Do you care? Uh, saw the highlights. King, it was absolutely was a fantastic free kick. Lovely I, shot. Um, is it a free kick goal though? Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> okay, um, we'll I, I, it. I would argue that the assist points on FPL, uh, you know, are doing a lot of heavy lifting there as well because yeah. it's not much of an assist, is it? But is I guess you know, wasn't it? It was, I think so. Yeah. If it wasn't yeah. moving, maybe you wouldn't have been able to get the necessary whip on it so to speak. But yeah, great finish. Written really, wasn't it? That he was going to score a, a worldie and a free kick at that on the last day, well, the last game yeah. of the season in the stadium, maybe his last ever game in the stadium. Well, I mean, maybe, who knows? It reminds me of, there's a tweet here from Kane from the lane. Took us eight years to work out how Kane can score free kicks and he's leaving next game. Typical Spurs. <laughs> I mean, hopefully he's not leaving next game, it's quite funny to think about. Elio, I, I kind of into this in the WhatsApp group, but I was going to ask you, like, was there a part of you, did it cross your mind while you were in the stadium that there is a chance albeit a very small chance that this might be the last time you get to look at Harry Kane in a Spurs shirt with your own eyes at our stadium or are you convinced that it won't be? Um, no, I think every Spurs fan is aware of the situation and every Spurs fan will have thought, is this the last time we're watching him at home in our strip? But I think once the match starts, even in this current sort of debacle we find ourselves in, I'm all about what's going on in front of me and I can save conversations like that for evenings like today with you, wonderful gents. So, hmm. so no, I don't think I gave it too much attention tell you the truth i'm not convinced harry kane knows what's going to happen with him next season i read um, a quote from peter crouch who apparently on the tv punditry said that he'd actually spoken with kane and kane said to him wasn't sure what's going to yeah yeah wasn't sure what was going to happen and right now just getting to the end of the season and and that was sort of off record stuff which i'm sure harry will thank peter for then bringing (laughs) onto the record on air but ultimately kane's already played this game one summer before uh, a couple of years ago and lost. He's probably very well aware that it's Levy who will decide what is worth more to Spurs another season of him or the fees that we're potentially offered for him. And the thing is, on the one hand, you've got Harry Kane, top two or three strikers on the planet, top five or six players on the planet and just all around incredible, still playing at the peak of his powers, easily worth sort of um, a seven figure, uh, sorry, an eight figure sum. Nine figures, actually, yeah. Easily Nine worth figures, over yeah. Yeah, even, easily. At least 10 million. Yeah. It's a lot of zeros. <laughs> yeah, <right>. At least, <laughs> this is how bad. This it, will be, it will be in a eight figure sum, won't it? it well, in reality, it won't be a hundred. The thing is, anyone who pays for Harry Kane is paying mm. for one year of Harry Kane because he's on a free next summer and also 31 next summer. So whoever pays for him is paying for a year and then the free part of Harry Kane will be whatever the rest of his contract after that is. So it's how desperate someone is to actually get a hold of him without much competition for a signature because Mm. of all those factors. Manchester City, I don't think will go there in the slightest. No. I could potentially see someone like Manchester United doing that, but they seem Mm. to have abandoned their sort of devil-may-care attitude towards money that they had previously under Woodward. So, 
who knows? PSG and Real Madrid, you never know, but do they really yeah. need to? Um, so Is he leaving the Premier League as well? That's the other thing. Does he want Shearer's record? Well, he, he has once again said that he is aiming for that Premier League record. So would he want to go overseas when next summer he will have his pick? My gut mm. says that unless something ludicrous happens, when I say ludicrous, I mean 115, 120 million. He's staying for another mm. year. We're losing him on a free because when you actually weigh it up, what does 80 million, let's say, get you if we get that mm. for Harry Kane? That gets you. Richarlison and then that like. That gets you Richarlison and Setignon. Yeah, Richarlison <laughs> yeah. and Setignon. That, that's what that gets you. That's so, not changing our fortunes, is it? Exactly. So, whereas you keep Harry Kane, you build around him properly, even if he still leaves on a free next summer, you might actually have a chance of doing something great next season. So, we'll see. I've got two points on that the first one the fact that you just said that Manchester United have lost their devil may care spending when they spent roughly around about 95 million pounds more than they should have done on 95 million pound Anthony is hilarious (laughs) that's a very good point yeah Um, and second I think there's an argument that you should start with a clean slate with the new manager there's an argument that I think you should get rid of Kane cash in while you can, you're never going to get enough money to replace him because he's irreplaceable. The only person mm. who could replace Kane with is Holland and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and even if he was going anywhere, he wouldn't go anywhere for less than 200 million quid. So yeah. you just have to face that fact. It's like it, you're almost talking money ball now. You're talking about recreating him in the aggregate. And you do that by getting a good coach. You do that by mm. get, having a method, having an understanding of what you're trying to achieve. Maybe even get rid of Son as well. And then really look at it from a brand new clean slate perspective. How are you going to achieve what you want to achieve? The argument yeah. would be that Kane is a hamstring in that. You know, he makes it difficult because he's there and because he's a focal point of anything that's going to happen. And people will ask, why aren't you using Kane correctly? If he's not scoring all the goals. Or if he's scoring the goals, you ask, oh, maybe you should use him as more of a creative person because he's scoring goals, but they're not creating enough for other people. You know, mm. there, there there will be narratives that will be span off of the fact that Kane plays for Spurs under a new manager. Whereas if you get rid, yeah. similar to what eventually Scum did with Ronaldo, it yeah. becomes a nothing. Don't get me wrong, they've spunk money at the wall. But you hopefully wouldn't be that, you know, ridiculous in your spending and you would have a manager and a director of football who understands what they're doing and actually recreates correctly through the aggregate. If we go down, there's a lot of players I think that a lot of teams should go for. But Luis Sinistera is absolutely someone you should go for because he thrived under slot at Feyenoord. He got, I think it was about 45 goal and assist contributions mm. 20-odd goals, 20-odd assists last season. And when he has played for us, he's looked absolutely dynamite. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, what you need to be looking at going forward. You need to be looking at recreating the aggregate through other players, not necessarily having Kane as your focal point, because ultimately you are going to lose him and you're going to delay what you're going to have to do at the end of this season, the end of next season, if you keep him. Yeah, let's wait till you go down first, Dave. Let's not start looting (laughs) Leeds United just yet, okay? But that's a really good point because that's the thing, isn't it? The whole system changes. If you take Kane out, it's not just a simple case of let's find the next best thing to Kane because there isn't really anyone like him. You have to kind of reinvent everything everything around him and it isn't just one player it's a few players and we all know it takes more than a season to bed in several players even if you were City well not City because they've already got Haaland imagine if somebody else massive had Haaland and he wasn't going anywhere he's tied down to a contract nobody Mm. knows who to get striker wise it's it's like Bayern Munich this season it is not a thing Bayern Munich replacing Lewandowski exactly you've basically got Lewandowski who's 35 36 You've got Benzema, who's 35, 36. You've got Haaland, who's 23 and not going anywhere for a couple of years. And you've got Kane. Mm. Anyone else? Yeah. Well, there's that lad yeah. at Brentford who put a few bets on, who would have been okay, but we might have to wait for him. There's a couple of potentials that are around, you know, you, you know, yeah. like Vlajevic, you know. But, you know, he's been a bit hot and cold for Juventus. And so you really don't know if he's actually got the ability to step up um, yeah. to that level. And I would say that Juventus is probably around about the same level of Spurs at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. Well, to take it back to the question of whether we should let him go now, or next season or what would be preferable I, I want to get your opinion on this socks because uh, you've been sitting there quietly what is Harry Kane's value right now to you what price would you accept and I guess it's there are lots of factors you have to weigh in to really adequately answer that question you need to know who else is available in the market for example but it, it's not exactly that straightforward but do you have a figure in mind that you could put on Kane and before you answer that let me just remind you that somebody calculated that without Harry Kane this season, and this is one of those stupid stats that doesn't actually make sense, but humor me. Without Harry Kane this season, Spurs would be joint 17th on 33 points, two points above relegation. 
<laughs> That's, of course, assuming that there was no one playing in his position or, you know, Richarlison scoring no goals. Uh, what's Carry Kane's value to Spurs right now? I know it doesn't exactly work this way, but only a few years ago, Chelsea sold the same age player in Eden Hazard to Real Madrid for 100 million with one year left on his contract. We would be selling the England captain, the person who was <clears throat> essentially our de facto captain, he means about as much, if not more, to us than someone like Hazard did to Chelsea. And in yeah. all likelihood, if he were to leave, it would probably be to Man United, who so you'd be selling him domestically and to a team that you could argue is a top four, top six rival. I don't think mm. we should budge for anything less than 100 million. Not that that would get you much, as you guys have discussed already, but that is the figure. If somebody comes in with 80 at this point, I just tell them to piss off. I don't think it's worth it. The difference between 80 and 100, you could argue, I guess, that 20 million is negligible. But if I'm using that as my baseline and I'm looking at players like Anthony going for 95 and Mudrick going for 70 odd and I know they have different contracts and all the rest of it that would be my figure in terms of whether we should do it it's an interesting conversation because there have been many Spurs fans down the years with the benefit of hindsight who have looked back at some of our players and gone should we have sold Ericsson when he was at his peak and we've always drawn typically the comparison between what Liverpool did with Coutinho and they sold him for such an exorbitant fee to Barcelona that that's what funded the purchases of Alisson and Van Dijk and that's what catapulted them to the European Cup. It's all hindsight isn't it? It is and that's the problem with it is because we can never live that alternative timeline so we can sell them and it could be a disaster and we'd all be sat here going oh well I knew we shouldn't have sold them a lot of it will come down to what we do afterwards and I think the ultimate answer to the question is it will be down to what the manager wants to do I know we're probably going to come on and touch upon it in a bit but if it's somebody like Arne Schlott and he comes in and he says look Mm. I play a specific system and I want my team to ruthlessly press from the front I don't think Kane, for as good of a player as he is, yeah, is able to exactly. do that in his 30s. I wouldn't mind cashing in for him for 100 million and going for, Dave mentioned somebody like Sinister as an example. Richarlison would be a hell of a lot better, not as a finisher, but as mm. a as a harrier, as a presser. presser. Yeah. Then as far as I'm concerned, you go with what the coach wants. My concern, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm going to use it anyway. My concern would be, I don't think it's going to be a decision that is going to be left in the hands of the manager. Everything that we've heard so far from the media has and these things are malleable and obviously open to changing is that Levy is almost under too much pressure and he's getting too much stick to have another yeah. huge body blow it, it almost I think it's almost too big of a gesture on a symbolic level to have this thing go against them and the club feels too unstable at the moment to have it's like the last piece of the Jenga you know it's like it's one too many to kind of pull out and that's what's going to cause the tower to fall down so personally I think he stays and he goes on a free next year to whoever wants him I don't think it helps Levy that every other time we've had a huge sale we've reinvested in what has been perceived at least short term because long term certain players worked out phenomenally but short term it doesn't help that we've reinvested really badly we (laughs) sold Berbatov and Robbie Keane in the same summer and we brought in a combination of players that once again Modric ended up fabulous other players Mm. in that spending spree were David Bentley Giovanni Dos Santos Roman Pavlyuchenko (laughs) exactly we got rid of Bale and and yes, there was Ericsson and kind of Chadley, but there was also a lot of money spent on Paulinho, Soldado, Lamella. Hey, some it respect for Lamella, with, please. Well, quite <laughs> lo- lo- yeah. respect for an attacker who scored about three goals in <laughs> 10 years or whatever it was. Uh, obviously, I had verbalized. Yeah, but it's but, the vibes, Elio, it's the vibes. He's well, a cult hero. That- Invaluable. I guess football is becoming a hipster sport, so fair enough. But my point being that Levy has not done well out of these situations in the past. Mm. So the second Kane goes, if we don't essentially assemble a group of players off the back of that that challenge for the title next season, there's going to be every Spurs fan, every single Spurs fan, I guarantee it, to a person saying we'd have been better off keeping Kane and losing him for a free. Yeah, I think it's very important that if and when we lose Kane and we get money and we have to start rebuilding around him, there's a project in place, there's a vision. We know who our manager is. We know what type Mm. of football we're at least trying to play. And then I think people will get behind it a little bit more, even if it will be a sad situation invariably. But I guess, you know, we'll we'll wait and see what happens with that. It's one of many things, just like the manager search, that we can talk about briefly, but we'll probably have to revise everything we think we know in future episodes anyway. So I'm keen not to talk too much about Kane. Although I will say if we do get 120 million for him and he turns 
out about as well as Hazard has at Real Madrid at Man United, that would be really fun for all of us, wouldn't it? Um, another player who has definitely played his last home game for us, who I just want to touch on briefly, is Lucas Moura, who um, I think we've all seen his video, his very heartfelt goodbye to Spurs fans. Anyone uh, fight back a few tears watching that one? Because it was, you could tell that was sincere emotion coming out from Lucas, wasn't it? It was like, he really loves Spurs. He loves Spurs more than I love Spurs. <laughs> well, Spurs haven't paid you the best part of 15, 20 million in the past five years. So, um, no, no cynicism aside, Lucas is a player that gave most of us, if not all of us, yeah. our best moments as yeah. as Spurs fans, definitely in the modern era. Um, he's more he than that, that though, isn't night. he? Well, that's, I'm that's not, not sure his he entire is, legs. Sure. <laughs> he kind of is. But <laughs> he, I mean, all right, he had an okay season that year and got 10 league goals yeah. as well. But I don't think he needs to have more than that. I mean, I never watched Ricky Villa because he left before I was yeah. born. But what I know yeah. about Ricky all you know Villa is, that goal. is yeah. that goal. I mean, people don't even think of Jeff Hurst for anything he ever did at West Ham or for any other goals he scored for England. They think about him scoring the goals that won the World Cup. I mean... You, yeah. Jeff Hurst is a more well-known English striker probably than Jimmy Greaves despite not being even half as <laughs> oh, good as him so, I believe Jeff Hurst only ever scored three goals I've, I'm yet to see proof <laughs> otherwise well exactly so my point being I mean did Steve McManaman ever score another goal for Real Madrid other than that wonderful goal in the Champions League final? I don't think so. Who knows? He probably got lost somewhere in his mullet if he did. My point being that Lucas Mora doesn't need to be more than that night. That Socks night is hurt was, by that comment. And that night, that night is something that I'm going to take to my grave with a smile on my face. Absolutely. On that note, and you, you might have just answered my next question for me earlier because I put a poll out with Lucas having announced that he's leaving at the end of the season and I said as, as you will have heard at the beginning of this episode and you will hear again twice every episode we play the iconic words of Fletch and BT Sport commentating on that hat-trick goal the famous winning goal against Ajax and uh, we put a poll out to say is it time to retire that piece of commentary and replace it with something different on our jingle for next season um, and a very narrow margin of 53% said yes time for something new so I just thought I'd throw it out to you guys very quickly if you had any suggestions as a piece of Spurs commentary that you think would be a suitable replacement I don't like change, but <laughs> I think I think the next one should be something timeless, something that is to do yeah, with someone agreed. who's already been and gone. I would yeah. go for something like Gaza's semi-final free yeah. kick against Arsenal. That's what I was going to suggest. All in favour? Great piece of commentary, great moment and timeless. I was going to say the thing from the Liverpool game a couple of weeks ago where we conceded in the last minute and Gary Neville said that's the most Tottenham <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I was going to say I actually that. Like that. Yeah. I actually you're really like that idea. We go full top deprecating. You're talking about something that's timeless. <laughs> what is more timeless than that is the most yeah. Tottenham? Yeah, that is. The problem with that is that will never if change. If we start every episode off with a piece of Gary Neville commentary, I'm pretty sure Dave is going to stop showing up for the podcast. He's, we're already on thin ice. <laughs> I think you both will. We're, we're already on thin ice. Fortunately, I'm going to let you through the looking glass here, listeners. Fortunately, we don't play the jingle before we start recording. So uh, I'm to have to ruining listen to the illusion. Okay. Next, well, next I, you get something we don't uh, edit out all of our slander and defamation. Yeah, exactly. you're, abs you're absolutely jumping the gun, guys. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel yeah. like there's, there's definitely going to be some beautiful commentary on Sunday when Leeds are draw that we could absolutely take. When Leeds score the winning goal to secure their Premier League place next season, maybe that commentary is what we should use for next season that would be brilliant wouldn't it maybe um, for one episode which takes me nicely on to the main events of this podcast and what we're all really here to talk about and Dave I'm obviously going to come to you first before we talk about the game let's not beat around the bush <laughs> Leeds are in danger you, you're very likely to be to be going down you've seen it happen before I'm a privileged Spurs so fan. So long ago, though. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a privileged Spurs fan. The closest I've ever been to witnessing relegation staring me in the face was at a time where I didn't really know what was going on and we never really came that close. We were pushing relegation in, I think, 98 when Christian Gross came in and we ended up just about surviving, but we had a pretty good team and I didn't really know what was happening until it was over. And ever since, it's been, you know, mid-table or better. Pretty good you team. Pretty good team. That uh, no, team. No, we had a, we had a pretty awful team, but we had a few pr uh, very good players. Let me rephrase. Okay, fair we enough. We had Ginola Klinsmann, basically. Yeah. Okay. And fine. Sorry. Campbell, yeah. Rephrase that. Yeah. This is one of you. the things I'll edit out. Sorry, Elio. Yeah, that's very very well caught. Um, Dave. In all seriousness, I know you've seen this before and it's different. But what's your thought process when you're in this sort of situation? Do you just try not to think about it? Do you kind of think worst case scenario and just prepare yourself and think, okay, we're in the championship next season. Anything's a bonus. Like, and when did you kind of start thinking this way this season? Um, I mean, 
mean, that team had bloody John Scales in it. John Scales wasn't good when he was good. <laughs> Where did Ian Walker in goal? I'm going to breeze past this, Elio. Oh, God, what have I done? And Dave, I'm partially asking this in preparation of being in the same situation next season after we lose Harry Kane and we're fighting relegation, by the way. So I, I, this is educational. We need to know. Well, I feel like I've come to terms with it. I, I, yeah. I feel like you, you, you come to terms with it when you start speculating on what's happening next. And, and I am getting a little bit accustomed to thinking about what's going to happen when we go down to the championship, which players are going to leave and how much we might get for them and who our next manager is. Who our next... I mean, we're in a very similar situation to you guys in terms of staff turnover because yeah. we need a manager. I highly doubt that we will uh, we will go for Big Sam, stay up or go down. Yeah. And we need a new director of football. Um, where I was swimming in slightly different waters, um, regardless. <laughs> um, exactly, yeah. But I think when I got to that point, which was probably only a, only a couple of weeks ago, I think it was when Big Sam was hired, because I was very much in the, right, okay, so I need to pinch my nose and close my eyes and, and wake up in three weeks and wherever we are, we are, because I knew that it wasn't going to be pretty, what, what was going to happen for the next yeah. four games. I'm actually okay with it now. The difference is, the last time this happened... In 2006, yeah. I was at university. I spent, uh, we got relegated. I was listening to it on the radio because obviously it was a last day of the season situation. Was it last day of the season? I can't remember. I think we might got relegated the, the game before. Whatever. Yeah. Either way, I was on my own in my dorm and I don't think I talked for about four or five hours. Mm. And I just sat in the darkness. <laughs> uh, and then I think I went and got a bottle of whiskey and drank it all and then went out <laughs> because I was at university in the first year. And I thought, what have I been doing the last five hours? I shouldn't be getting drunk. Um, yeah. But this is different because mm. that was a, an absolute catastrophe. The press have released details of, I think it was the Athletic, David Ornstein released details that every single player in the Leeds team has at least a 50% wage reduction if we get relegated. We are not in a bad financial situation. We have assets that we don't need to sell for nothing like we did for Lee Boyer, for example, and, and Harry Kuehl. We can sell for proper money. You know, we can get, you know, at least 10 million for, you know, Meslier, for Sinistera, for Tyler Adams, for Winonto. Mm. And that will give us a platform to purchase what we need for the championship and for whatever comes after that. And also, it's worth noting that there are some very decent players who've done very well in the championship who are actually on loan from Leeds. And we've also got, you know, a bunch of people on our bench, which I think are, uh, have real potential, like Cree Somerville and Lewis Bate, who's going to be coming back from Oxford, and Darko Jaby, who signed from Man City 12 months ago for £5 million. So actually, I think we have real potential to actually start again with the right director of football, with the right manager. So basically, what you've just heard me there is talking myself around that it's going to be fine. You've accepted ultimately, it. I'm completely <laughs> devastated. Yeah. And I would really prefer a sustainable. I, I think we all would. And yeah, absolutely, Dave. And that's a very mature attitude. And I salute you for it. That's very impressive. And, you know, hopefully you don't have to go through that whole thought process again. But, but we'll see. I, I want to give you a, a reluctant kudos for a very successful hot take at the beginning of the season that all three newly promoted yeah, clubs would stay up well done <laughs> i think maybe Cheers. subconsciously that was an emotional hedge you didn't realize you were doing you were hoping everton would be the other one but anyway um nevertheless congratulations there that takes me on to just on that game obviously uh, elio you've made no secret of the fact that probably for the first time in your spurs supporting life you've arrived at a point where you want to see us lose and we've had games where the majority of fans have wanted to see us lose. The classic example being, was it Man United last day of the season at home where yeah, Arsenal yeah, stood to win the title? Everyone wanted that. And, and even then, you were sincerely saying, I don't care about Arsenal. I want to see us win. You yeah. had enough affinity and connection with Spurs at the time, even though we were worse than we are now, probably, to actually want us to win in spite of come away. I mean, obviously, it's different now with Dave, but some of your thoughts on this game. Um, One, I like my friend and would not like to see him go through that <laughs> wholesome content but i think i think ultimately for spurs to have like sock said last week handed out points left right and center to all these other team leads have competed with and then yeah, we owe them one 
Well, we, we, I'd almost worry that Dave wouldn't want to be friends with us anymore. Definitely not me. So, <laughs> we'll need a new name for next season's podcast. Exactly. We'll have to be like plus tits or something. So I, I just... <laughs> or the minus Dave. Or, or just the minus Dave podcast. Well, yeah. The minus yeah. Dave. <laughs> so are you think, inviting on to plus tits. Dave? If you want to go plus tits, you go, mate. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should be contingency planning. You know, just like we're trying to think of who can replace Harry Kane. Yeah. Maybe we should have been thinking about this from a while ago. Who could Ta- be the new Dave? Taking the emotion out of it as well taking out sort of the emotion of wanting to sort of see my mate's team do well and ultimately Leeds, Leicester, Everton I have no affinity with any of those three clubs no like or dislike as clubs overall Leeds are probably the one that even without Dave I'd probably have the most heart for just because good old traditional club one of the original big clubs as well so so yeah. that maybe i have softer spot for them than the others but but ultimately i'm also looking at us and thinking and it's not because i don't want europa conference league we're not above the europa conference league we went out in the group stage last time and we're only allowed to play five of our six games <laughs> so so it's not even anything to do with that it's that i think the worse we finish this season now which is ninth the more of a message and the more of a kick up the arse is given to our mm. owners, our board, our chairman to get things right this summer, to make sure they leave no stone unturned, to leave us with the right manager, the right coaching staff, the right director of football, the right playing squads. It's something that is almost needed in the same way that Arsenal almost needed to plummet to their depths to get back up to the right trajectory. Liverpool pre-Klopp as well. Chelsea looks like it's happening with them this season. So Manchester United as well, pre-Ten Hag. Big clubs sometimes need a kick up the arse. This is ours. We've kind of skirted around it for a few years now, but we've kind of gone up and down and up and down. And as long as we were top six, then we were hitting par because we are sort of sixth by every metric financially. But finishing ninth in a season where we've had one source of joy, Harry Kane, in a season where our only real kind of investment in the table ended up being Arsenal not winning the title and being pipped by Manchester side, having led for most of the season as does happen quite regularly, thankfully. Um, It's just taken us back. It just feels like we've gone back 22, 23 years as a club. It feels that dramatic. Mm -hmm. So Levy, he may not be a massive football fan. He may not be a football man generally, but he is someone who's given the best part of his career and his life to running Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. He was in his sort of mid to late 30s, I think, when they bought us, and now he's somewhere in his 50s. He is someone who has dedicated everything to running a club in line with a vision that I do genuinely believe he embraces and believes in. I don't think it's just in it for the money, the way people say about him. I just think he has always done what he feels is best, and some of the time he was right, and unfortunately some of the time he was wrong, and most recently a lot of the time he was wrong. So hearing more resounding and more loudly than ever we want Levy out to get out of our club we want Ian out Mm. we want our old Tottenham back the other day and them having to turn the volume on the music on on Dakota I think it was by Stereophonics up top whack at the end of the game to drown out directed his way I genuinely Mm. think that will hurt him because Mm. I do not believe he yeah. doesn't care about Spurs and I do not believe I, I don't b- believe he's the right man for our leadership anymore but I also don't believe he doesn't care about us and I certainly don't believe that he doesn't care about what he's given his entire adult life to regardless of the reasons behind it so there's yeah. a lot of ego and there's a lot of pride on the line with Mr Daniel Levy right now and the worst this season ends for us and it's ended pretty horrendously but the worse it ends for us the less place there is for him to hide and the more pressure I think he'll put on himself to get it right and Levy has always actually reacted surprisingly well when we have been in the shit when we were getting relegated with Ramos he went and hired Redknapp and gave him everything he wanted that January and everything he wanted that summer Levy when things were going tits up with Nuno went and gave Conte what he wanted brought in a couple of good players in January saved the season so Levy has got form for actually throwing the kitchen sink at making wrongs right His problem is that when he does achieve that, he gets complacent. And that's why we are where we are now. So if we end up ninth, 
I have faith. I'll almost have more faith if we end up ninth than if we get into the Europa Conference League in the outcome of this summer. Now that makes sense. That sounds a reason. Well said. Just very quickly, Socks, I imagine you probably echo quite a lot of those sentiments. You didn't go to uni with Dave. You've not known him nearly as long as Elio, so you don't have the same kind of obligation to your friend, despite um, obviously, you know, forging a, a lifelong bond on a trip to Ayanapa many years ago, which we won't speak about. Um, <laughs> you generally feel in the same way. No, I hope we send those c**ts down. <laughs> I, no more, no more, Your Honour. Please, please move on. Um, I'm conscious we are we are a little bit under a time pressure, so I, I do actually want to move on very quickly and just talk about a couple of other things that are very important to wrap things up. Uh, first of all, we just want to celebrate St. Bottlingham's Day, where Arsenal have uh, mathematically lost the title, so congratulations to them. And I'll come back to that in a minute in relation to um, a new online venture that we as a podcast are, are launching um, that Sox will tell you about just very quickly we will talk about it probably more next week or even at another point because things will develop and there's no point speculating too much about the manager or search until we know who the manager is but the bookies make on slot the strong favorite at the moment there's lots of rumors that it's you know happening potentially going to be announced soon. I just wanted to read a quote from Michael Bell from uh, Dutch publication Football Orange, just about him that I think you might like. Um, his style is high-energy attacking football in a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 with two deep-lying fielders and reliance on wingers to create chances. However, he also has the strongest defence in the area Eredivisie this season. This is down to a relentless press to win the ball back. Slot is a Pep Guardiola type, more than a Jose Mourinho. He wants to entertain, he wants to attack. Music to our ears, right? Tottenham DNA. We all in favour? We'll take him? You've sold me my hands on my crotch in preparation. <laughs> Love it. I had you at He's Not Jose. Yeah, brilliant. And and moving on from that, obviously, we could talk about our search for director of football, but I think that's probably something to push down the pecking order until, again, something starts to happen on that. Socks. now that it has officially been confirmed, Arsenal have not won the league, and I'm sure we're all delighted as we're all lifelong Man City fans with our sky blue shirts and posters of Georgie Kinkladze and Colin Bell on our walls as children. You have decided to celebrate Arsenal's collapse in social media fashion. Tell us more. Yeah, as promised a few weeks ago, I've, I've created a trolling Twitter account just to try and banter them into existence. So I think my first step was to one-up Elio on the most <laughs> horrible and awful name to pronounce. So my Twitter handle is at Utreum Officium, which is U-T-R-E-M. <laughs> O-F-F-I-C-I-U-M, and it is Latin for bottle jobs. Now, there isn't a Latin <laughs> word for bottle jobs, so I had to get the two separate words for bottle and job and fuse them together. I'm only following two people, which are the Plus Day podcast and Saka Water, just because of the bottle job element, which I thought was quite <laughs> And I've just been sort of going on a bit of a Twitter. I haven't tweeted too much. I've kind of wanted to pace myself. So I just, uh, the first thing I tweeted was Arsenal spent £400 million, sat on top of the Premier League for 250 days, went eight points clear with nine games to go. And after all that, they couldn't even match a Spurs bottle job side of 16-17, hopeless, spineless, trophyless. And then I threw a little bottle job hashtag. I'm sitting on something like 400 likes, which I think is half decent, bearing in mind I never That's had incredible. The, first, the first thing I ever tweeted but For out. an opener, that is strong. Well, I got nibbles left, right and centre. And then I just started going, <laughs> do you know what? This bullying thing, I kind of realised why people did it to me when I was in year eight now. And I'm sort of almost, <laughs> there's something almost very personal for me in terms of just, just kind of getting that trauma out, which is, yeah, I mean, there's a therapist yeah, absolutely. Need to see in there somewhere but this seems as uh, good of an outlet as any at first i started attacking children and then i thought okay let's uh, let, let's kind of see where we go <laughs> so i started jumping on other people's tweets and someone said you're going to get f***ing relegated without harry kane stop talking about arsenal and focus on your own joke club that hasn't won a meaningful trophy in 30 years to which i just replied you bottled the league despite being four thousand points clear unfortunately i didn't get a reply <laughs> And then someone else tweeted, I just found random Arsenal fans. I don't really know if they're famous, but some of them have the blue tick and whatnot. Someone said, don't fall for narratives, by the way. Arsenal are here to stay. They will invest, improve, <laughs> this one right now. and grow even stronger. To which I replied, you're a disappointment to your family. <laughs> <laughs> 
type of, that okay, is that's sensational. Yeah, this so is trolling its purest form. That's kind of how I've gone on, and then I, I just started getting nibbles left and right. So if anybody's interested, follow me at at Utrium Officium. I don't know if I'm going to be quite active on it because I think Twitter is an absolute cesspit of a website, but I am kind of monitoring it, and you know, we'll see over the summer months when I get bored without football how active it gets. Well, assuming that you don't get kicked off of Twitter socks, if you want to send me the logins, <laughs> I'll be happy to share the burden with you and, and jump on and do my fair share of trolling because this sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like it's incredibly childish, but I'm all for it. Dave is smiling, and I suspect that this is right up his street. By all means, I should add, by the way, if you go on the Twitter account and you see the person's picture, that is an AI creation because I did I didn't put my own face in there. I went on one of those oh, AI it? image. It's an AI what image generated. Uh, I put in, can you find me a picture of a typical Arsenal wanker combined with Nicola <laughs> Feta? That's genuinely my words. I had to remove the word wanker because it wouldn't take it, but that was essentially the sentiment of it. And I, it obviously, like like these things do, they came up with four or five, and I basically picked the one that looked the least like an AI image because you know some of them come up and they've got like yeah. seven fingers and four eyes. So I had to find the one that looked the most plausible. Even then, I'm yeah, not- we're looking for an ass, looking for an Arsenal manager, not a Norwich manager. <laughs> so that's my guy, and I actually called him. I kind of bottled it a bit, which is fairly apt, I suppose, because I called him L E I O. Which is an anagram, obviously, of Elio. So he's called Leo, yeah. I suppose. I should have done it with Socrates. Are you trying to dump this on Elio? Is this yeah, revenge for him plagiarizing all your thoughts for all these weeks on the podcast? I, th- I think I'm too much of a chicken, sh- so I just decided to hide <laughs> just in case it ever gets traced back to me. So there we are. I should clarify, by the way, for anyone listening, Elio has had to jump off the podcast, so he's not just sitting there sulking while we while Socks uh, <laughs> does this to him. He has he has gone, but uh, we're nearly at the end now, anyway. So, um, but no, congratulations on that, Socks. I think that's uh, an afternoon slash evening very well spent and I look forward to seeing where it goes. A few final points as we follow on from that. A couple of tweets I just wanted to read out. One from Elio actually. Elio, mid-table finish, only one player worth watching, a homegrown captain no less, and only joy coming from Arsenal failing to win the league. It's the year 2000. That was quite good. And just one question here that I just wanted to throw to your way, Dave, to get your opinion. Um, mm. You don't have to elaborate too much. Uh, ESPN have asked, is Harry Kane scoring 28 Premier League goals in this Tottenham team more impressive than Erling Haaland scoring 36 in Man City's? Um, I think it probably is, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. I'm a little <laughs> bit disappointed that Haaland hasn't scored more. Yeah. Well, you called <laughs> he was going to score 100, didn't you? So he's let you down I a went for bit. 100, yeah. And yeah. He's, he's got a, a measly 50-odd. To be fair, he's, um, barely, he's barely played, really. You know, he's only had like 60 minutes a game. You know, he's yeah, part-time. The, the, I feel like Pep's like, like hell-bent on him never getting a hat-trick. He's like, no, take him off after two. Yeah. That'll do. Thank you. Exactly. 30 minutes in, off you come. But, I mean, to score 30 goals in a team that is not doing a good job is, is really impressive. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's incredible how little publicity Kane is getting at the moment for that achievement. Yeah. It's really, really wild, but that's the Premier League this season, I guess. And glad you mentioned that because I believe I read a stat recently that said Harry Kane has now scored more 20 plus goal seasons or now had more 20 plus goal seasons outside of the top four than any other player ever. So, you know, more a trophy. And the other stat that is, uh, as Elio described it, the most Spurs thing he has ever heard is that Tottenham have just become the first team to both score and concede 60 goals in a season since Tottenham in 2007-08. That's amazing. And only only Tottenham have ever done that, which is uh, outstanding and quite ridiculous. I was, lo- I was looking at the league table a couple of days ago because, mm. you know, I like to do these things to myself. I yeah. then, then, you know, whip myself with razors. <laughs> um, but your defence is almost as bad as ours. What? And ours oh, is the worst in I've the league. I've got a stat for you, Dave. Um, it, it won't come as any surprise to learn that El Davico, as we have dubbed it next week, Spurs versus Leeds, is a contest between the two teams who have conceded the most goals in 2023. <laughs> Leeds being the worst and Spurs narrowly being edged out. So, yeah, that's going to be a nil-nil, It's going to be a nil-nil. Let's hope it's a really nice game and everybody's really friendly and it's a really well-contested well, game and everybody has a good time. It should be. We're all, we're all on the same team. We're all going to be supporting Leeds. So, um, I well, think- I've got I've got around about 16 or 17 Leeds shirts, so I've got everybody covered. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear it. Maybe I should wear a Spurs shirt. Maybe, yeah. That's the emotional hedge coming in, isn't it? The, the one person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Just to round things off, we mentioned that we had our last home game of the season, but of course, it's not the final performance at the Tottenham Hall Stadium because the mighty Beyonce, Beyonce. will be taking to the stage, um, <laughs> who, we, who has, men- has been mentioned on a couple of podcasts now. So I, in, in my typical pursuit of useless content, decided to take it upon myself to attempt to put together a football 11 of Beyonce FC. Um, I didn't make 11, but I got halfway through and I was hoping you listeners slash fellow podcasts might be able to help. But here's what I've got so far. Um, single Davies. Yeah. Um, oh, Irreplace a bail. Oh, it gets better. That's that's that that's, this that's one, relevant. This on one level. might be that's my got favorite. levels. That one. This one might be my favorite. Heels, heels, heels. If I were a Hoybjerg, deja vu. Deliphone, Balo, and finally, beautiful Dyer. So, uh, so that's what I spent my evening wow. doing. Yeah. Uh, so that's we're a couple short of an eleven there, but you know, if anyone has any suggestions, I, I welcome them, and please do send them into us at Plus Dave Podcast on Twitter. And while on that, you can also, of course, follow all of us on Twitter. And I do mean all of us now. Finally, you can follow me at Plus Dave Dags. You can follow Dave at Fantasy Dave, and you can follow Socrates slash Leo slash Bottle Job in Latin at Utrem Officium, which is uh, U T <laughs> No, another. One I need to spell out: U T R E M O W F I C I U M. All one word, no underscores in that. Thank God. Um, and Elio, who has got the underscores, is Elio underscore P underscore T H F C. This is a disaster, guys. We need to sort out our Twitter. Um, but yeah, I don't really know where to go from Beyonce FC. But if anyone has any closing thoughts or anything that we missed or would like to to bring up that can't wait to next week, then uh, the floor is yours. Feel free to have at That's it. All- that's so for the past i think since 2004 5 every time we have lo- and we did this this weekend as well every time we have lost a game or drawn a game badly we have blasted over the sound system a white hat lane one of two songs either dakota by stereophonics or crazy in love by beyonce so you're asking oh, what really? the new, you are asking what the new opening jingle should be for the podcast next season it has to be crazy in love i don't know if we need to license it but that is the that is the track as far as i'm concerned hear me out Bentan crazy in love. <laughs> wow! Does that pass? Wow. Look at that! He's, he's on fire. Right, Does I that pass? Although, I, I, would, yeah. I would argue. I would argue that um, you know, Bills, Bills, Bills is definitely Destiny's Child song, kills. Not, not a Beyonce song. Yeah, well, I had to I had to go off piste. I was running out of material. Okay, technicality. I mean, there's Destiny Yodogi's Child. That's, that one feels like it's written for me, though. <laughs> this is Elio's left, and the podcast has just gone Move to along. absolute shit. <laughs> Move along. <laughs> Is that is that enough for today? I'm sure the listeners want more, but we'll have plenty to talk about next week, no doubt, when we will be... Uh, well, I say we. I, I hope most I might of not us be here. here. Yeah, Dave, Dave might have quit, but uh, some of us will be here to talk about how El Davico at Elland Road has gone, whether Leeds will be in the Premier League next year, whether Spurs will be in the Europa Conference League next year, whether any of us will care. So there'll be plenty of that to talk about. We might even have a new manager. Probably not. We might have a new director of football. Probably not. But one thing's for sure, Arsenal will not be lifting any trophies and neither will. So happy days, I suppose. We'll take our small victories when we can. Brilliant. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you guys for joining. We'll see you all next week. Stay classy, Spurs fans. We'll see you soon.